This is the last week of a 10-week series on the Word of God, written, living, and active. And if you're a guest with us this morning, I want you to know that this in the round thing is not normal. Now, this isn't normal. We do have a stage. We typically use that stage and teach from it. We're set up this way for a reason, and the reason has everything to do with the way that we want to end the series. We're going to do two things this morning. I'm going to take us through a review of where we've been, what we've learned, what God's been teaching us along the way, how those things fit together. And then at the end of our time in this message, I'm going to turn it to you and give you an opportunity to share what God has been teaching you through his word. Now, I'll give some instructions on that. It won't be very difficult. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, and then I'm going to ask several of you just to stand up and share what you wrote down. And we do that in this way this morning because what we find in this book, as we follow Jesus Christ as a community of faith, we, we find that that is best expressed in the context of relationships. It's best expressed in community. And so when you look across this stage to others sitting on the other side, those people are sitting there. And when you see those faces, they remind you that we are in this together. We are learning together. We are growing together. We are one body. And that person across from you or those people around you or across the aisle from you, those people have as much to do with your relationship with Christ as I do. In fact, Paul in Ephesians, he says, they are there to help you to mature in the faith. And so our hope this morning as we share at the end and you get to hear from some others in the room, maybe you share yourself, is that we would be deeply encouraged by it. And that we would leave here this morning after a 10-week series, not just with a working knowledge of this book, though very important, but also with a deeply felt reality that his presence and his activity is still ongoing in each of our lives today. When we began this series, uh, Lloyd made this statement. He said that any view of the Bible that is less than the Bible's view of itself is inadequate. It's inadequate. And we've spent the last nine weeks till today building the foundation underneath that statement, answering why that is true and why that is so important. Nine weeks looking at the claims that the Bible makes about itself. You might remember that we began in the book of Amos. Prophet Amos had a word from God that he was to deliver to the nation of Israel. There was a famine in the land, only it's not like a famine that we think of typically with crops and fields. It was a spiritual famine in the land. Not unlike the spiritual famine that exists more and more in our world today with cynical and skeptical people towards God and the Christian faith. God told Amos to say to Israel, say something that applies to us today as well. He said, tell them that you can't live very long as a spiritually impoverished people. In other words, this world, it won't satisfy. It won't meet your greatest need, your deepest longing. We, we are made to thirst for more. We are spiritually thirsty. And Lloyd stood up there and he, he described it like, to describe this book like a picture of cool, 
clear, refreshing water that nourishes our soul, meets our deepest thirst because in his words, we find God's presence. These are words of life. Then we move from a famine to a feast, Psalm 119. The emotion, the affection, the passion of the psalmist is he described that a heart set on the word of God is a life that overflows with liberty, freedom, with purpose, with passion, with hope, joy, grace. It overflows with those things when we know it to be the true Word of God. We said that week that our hope at the end of the series, we're going to begin with the end in mind, and our hope at the end of the series is that we too would find the same kind of delight in God's Word. That we too would be on that same trajectory where we would declare with great delight the words of God. Not only are these words in this book satisfying our deepest need, but they also are the source of our greatest delight. And we found that week that we don't long just for a book filled with words. We long for a love relationship with the person who speaks those words, God himself. So famine to feast, and then we open to the New Testament, and and we looked at Jesus Christ's view of Scripture. Everything in this book points to Jesus Christ. So what does he have to say? How does he relate to Scripture himself? And we found, and we use this through the series in the words of Kevin DeYoung. I love the way he phrases this. We found that it's impossible to revere the Scriptures more deeply or affirm them more completely than Jesus did. Possible. He affirmed the Word of God He fulfilled the word of God. He was the living word of God. Then we looked at four categories, beginning with the authority of God's word. We asked the question of authority. How how is it that we know God's word to be true? We turn to 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, where Paul writes that the the word of God is inspired. It is God-inspired. Breathed, literally breathed out by God, written down by human authors under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And as such, it is our highest authority. It is our greatest authority. And Michael showed us that authority, though we can resist it and reject it at times, even in our own lives on this earth, it's not always not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, this authority, our spiritual authority, is an authority that sets us free. It's an authority that enables our best, our good. It enables us to do what we were made to do and find delight in it. So authority, then the sufficiency. God's word is sufficient, meaning that it is enough. Hebrews chapter 1 says that it is enough, it is everything we need for life and for relationship with God. It's it's enough. It's enough for salvation, right? Relationship to God. It's enough for sanctification, our ongoing, growing relationship with 
God. This is all that God has to say, and it is all that we need to know. God's word is sufficient. God's word is clear. It's spoken in plain enough language. Here's how Lloyd said it, that the Bible is plain enough in enough places that what we need to know can be known to anyone genuinely wanting to know. And what matters most is most clear. And the things that we can't know perfectly, we can know sufficiently. God's word is enough for life and for faith. And then finally, God's word is true. That is the doctrine of inerrancy, that it is without error. And it is without error because God's character is without defect. You see, the Bible, if they are the words of God, and they are, they flow from God's lips in the same way that he lives, he is, he exists. What's true about his character comes out of his Mouth, And because he is righteous and holy and perfect and awesome, what comes out of his mouth is entirely true. And along the way in there, about halfway through, remember we had a service where we stepped out and called it halftime. Stepped out of the why, we talked about the how. We got very practical. How is it that, that we read God's word? And I just shared with you how I read God's word personally in my own devotional life. And we did that that week with the hope that it would encourage you to do the same. Lots of different ways to read God's word. Lots of ways to go about it. But to encourage you to stay in it. We said that week, hey, we've got three weeks left. Encouragement to use to read every day for the next 21 days. And look back on it and see what God's done in your life since. So if you made 21 days, incredible. You're probably a part of the 5% in the room that did. No big deal. If you made five days, if you made three days, if you made 10 days, it's worth it to spend time in his word. And it's not because we should or we're supposed to. It's because when we come to his word, we find God himself. We find deep, satisfying relationship with him. Our obedience to study God's word is a love response to his incredible pursuit of us. That's why we read. And then finally, last week, we got to the exclusivity of the gospel. And the reason that we did that last is because it was built on everything else that we had done. If God's word is true, and if God's word says that Jesus Christ is the only way, then he is the only way. And we saw a a video story about a people group in New Guinea, the Kim Yaw people who we watched with tears of gladness in our eyes receive the New Testament for the very first time in their own language. And we heard the story about how that came to be. Two men that had gone there, visited the tribe for the very first time, and they visited the tribe to learn the language that they might actually translate the New Testament into that language. Two men who gave their lives for that fact, because they believed that Jesus Christ is the only way. And then we saw a tribe that has been entirely changed as a result of it. The words that are found in this book, they are God's words, and they are more than we could ever imagine. I want you to take out your Bible, if you have one, and turn to Psalm chapter 19 for just a minute. Psalm chapter 19, we begin in 
Psalm 119, talking about the end in mind. We're finishing with Psalm 19. These are David's words about God and about his word for us. This is his perspective on the scripture. Psalm chapter 19, beginning in verse 7, and I'm going to read to verse 10. Just follow along with me as I do. Verse 7. The law of the Lord. Now just remember this. When we were in Psalm 119, we saw several synonyms for God's word. This is one of them. You're going to see four or five more. All referring to the word of God. That's what these phrases mean. The law of the Lord is perfect, David says, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Verse 8. The precepts of the Lord, the word of God, are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine Gold, sweeter also than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb. We'll end there for this morning. What is David's view of God's word? Well, it's the same view that Jesus Christ had. Has. It's the same view, same way that the rest of the scriptures describe this book. David is just consistent with the unity that we find in God's voice spoken of old and in God's voice written for us today. Here's what he says. He says, the word of God is perfect. It is without error. It's clear. It's true. It's trustworthy. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It's steadfast. It's stable. It is our authority. We can stand on it, David says the commandment of the Lord is pure. Always it's clean. It's upright. It's righteous. It's holy. It's blameless. The judgments of the Lord, they are true and therefore trustworthy. That's why this word is so desirable and it's more than can even be written down. It's more than we could even describe. We might say this. We might say that it is more sufficient, more authoritative, more inerrant, more true, more clear than we could ever describe. And, and look at the benefits that David describes for us at the end of each of these phrases. The word of God that has been revealed by God that we might know him to us is perfect because it restores your soul. It's sure, making wise the simple. Did you hear this? You don't, you don't need a seminary degree to understand God's word. You don't need a college or a high school degree to read God's word. You don't. It's simple. It's understandable. We can know it. We can apply it in our lives. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. That is that we can see it for what it really is. By the power of the Spirit, we can understand it. It endures forever. We would spend eternity with Him if 
we take him at his word. My kids came to me um, just right at the beginning of this series, and they asked me a question that was a very good question. You know, kids ask questions sometimes that adults are afraid to ask or don't think of in the same kind of way. And they came to me and they said to me, they said, hey, if somebody offered us a thousand bucks to to throw our Bible in a ditch, throw it away, would that be wrong? Would that be wrong to take that thousand bucks? Like we, we could just go to the store and get another one. We'd have a lot left over. Would that be wrong? You know, I thought about it and I didn't know quite what to say in the moment. I didn't want to like shame them in some way. Like, well, how could you ever think about that? Like the Bible, is it, is it sin? I don't know if that's a sin or not. Like just wrestled with it and thought about it. I said, give me some time to think about it. So I thought about it and here's my answer today. I would say that if you believe this book to be just like any other book, written by authors, good stories, so on and so forth. And I'd tell you to take the money. Take it. But if you believe this book to be something different than that, if you know this book to be God's word to us, then I would say don't take the money. Because what we have here, what God invites us to believe here, the hope instilling, the life-giving the deep, satisfying word of God that we were made for, it's priceless. David says it in this chapter. He says, it is worth much more than fine gold. This book is more than we could ever imagine. Now, one last thought in terms of summary, and this will serve as our transition to to sharing Rob Sweet said this very early on in the series, and it stuck with me all the way through. He said that you cannot separate God's word from God's presence and God's work. God's word, God's presence, and God's work, they are inseparable. And of course, we saw that throughout the series as we walk through redemptive history. God spoke creation into being. God told Noah that there was a flood coming and that he wanted to extend his grace toward him and his family. God promised Abraham a son and from a son, a nation in the land. God anointed David as king and he told David that from his lineage, one true king would come and rule and reign forever. That king came born to a virgin, whom God told she would have a son without relationship with any other man. She did. And that person, Jesus Christ, he walked on this earth. He breathed this air. He lived, he died, and he rose again. And when he rose again, his disciples took the message of the living word, fulfilling the Old Testament spoken word of God through the prophets and to Moses. And they extended that message to the ends of the earth. And the church began to flourish. And the church flourished because it continued to proclaim the word of God. Then Paul wrote to the churches and Paul wrote letters inspired by God, guided by the Holy Spirit to the church. And when he finished writing those letters some 100 or 200 years later, this book was made complete It was finished, but God's word is living and active. 
and God's presence remained. And his work and his activity, his transforming power in us, it continued. The church got off course for a while and God used men and women to help reform it based on the word of God, solo scriptura. The church continued in its up and down and feeble kind of way, church to church and person to person. God transforming people from the inside out all the way to this day. You see, you and I are sitting here today because someone shared with us the word of God. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We opened the Bible for ourselves at some point. Someone helped us to understand it, likely. And we're here today as a result. And God's work continues. It continues even now as we talk about it. Spirit at work in our lives. God's presence manifests even in this room among his followers. And so however small his presence might feel in your life right now, or however small his work might seem in your life right now, I want you to know that it really matters. It matters right now in this room. You cannot separate the word of God from the presence of God and the work of God. Not all of us are going to share this morning, but I do want all of us to do this before we do. I want everyone to take out your program. Take out your program and flip over to the back. There's a place on the back of the program that you can write some notes. It says message notes at the top. And I just want all of us to answer these two questions for us, for us personally. Two questions that I'm going to ask you about what God's been doing in your own life. And this is something that you can take with you from the series. Okay? And then when we're done with that, I'll, I'll ask several of you, those who want to, just to jump up and read something that you wrote from one of the questions, from both of the questions, uh, a verse that's meaningful to you that describes these questions, a thought, something that you've learned about God, whatever you'd like to share along these lines. Here are the two questions. Here's the first. How has God's word been at work in you? How is God's word at work in your life right now? How's it growing you, changing you? What is God's word producing in you? Okay, that's the first question. Here's the second question. The second question is this. How have you experienced God's presence through his word? What has he revealed to you about himself? Some attribute of his character? Some recognition or awareness of his pursuit of you? How's God's presence been made known to you through his word? Maybe he's revealed something to you about yourself. I want you to take a couple of minutes and answer these questions. If you get going on one, just stay there. That's fine. Don't have to answer both, but take a few minutes. Ask the Spirit of God to show you what you've been learning over the course of our time together in his word.
Now I'm going to have several of you just stand up and read something that you wrote down or something that you thought as you reflected on it. And the reason we do this is because you can say something to each other that Michael Lloyd and I can't quite do from the platform. See, you are the message. What God is doing in us is the message this morning. So even if it's a word, an attribute of God, a phrase, an answer, a couple of sentences, short paragraph, whatever it is, I'm going to ask several of you to stand up and share with us that we might be encouraged by what God is doing in you. So somebody jump up. Got mics all around the room. I will ask you to be brief. Kind of stay around these two questions and uh, share your name with us when you start, if you don't mind. Right down here. Robin, you got it. I think it's on. Should be. Jeff Johnson. Stand up, Jeff. Thanks. So, uh, so with this, kind of two quick things. One, job transition and kind of getting into this on a daily daily basis, I'd say peace. It's just kind of an overwhelming, you know, God really is in control and things are good, but, you know, just for that every day by day, um, the feeling of peace. And then the second thing was we took a challenge with our kids. We have a 9-year-old and a, an 11-year-old, and uh, we do devotions with them every night. And what we decided to do is instead of the devotion side, we just read just read through the Bible. Um, we got through the whole Bible. No. Um, just in Genesis, and we, we went through chapter by chapter. We do three, four chapters a night with them. And cool. We got a lot of questions back from the kids. It was kind of neat. So even more, more engaging, almost transforming for a 9-year-old. She started really getting getting um, questions. My 11-year-old had a lot of questions. Um, there's some interesting topics in the beginning part of Genesis mm-hmm. um, with Adam, uh, Abraham in the caves and uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. So we had lots of interesting conversations, but they were fun to have at that age and in that setting um, with reading the Bible, and he became interested in the next cool. chapter. So just really that cool. excitement for the Bible was great. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Just slip up your hand, we'll get a mic to you. Right down here, Dan. We'll put you to work, Rob. I guess this is the hot mic area over here. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things. One of them is, is that um, the world seems to throw us continuously, and I like the expression, it's like a fire hydrant with it open full blast at you the water mm-hmm. and so what what the word does for me and how it works in me is is that since I deal in that every moment of every day that that scripture in Psalms 119 109 says thy word is a light unto me and it lights the path before me and so during my struggles of this darkness I always know where to go mm-hmm. because his word brings that light mm-hmm. to my path and what he has for me how do you experience God's presence through his word? Um, you know, I, me and God have a great relationship, but I find that it's very important that when we want to have a long discussion, I get in his word because his word brings out all of the long discussions. And then I chew on them for days at a time. Cool. Cool. Right here. 
I want to bridge that my name is Terry Schmidt, and I wanted to bridge what the two gentlemen just said. On my heart, I'm um, in the student ministries, and I have a group of seventh grade girls. Mm. And this week, especially, we were talking about what are you struggling with in the world. And it starts with first, you know, teaching your children just about the word, making it plain, making it simple, everything that we've learned. And then as adults, we have, you know, the benefit of being in here and learning so much about how to apply it and make it practical. But seventh grade, middle school, high school, if not for the parents, how do you bridge that? And this week when they were talking about what they struggle with, there's nothing different about our kids and what you hear in the world, um, the drama that goes on, frustration with teachers and volume of homework, um, candidly sharing where they're disrespectful to their parents. And it was really neat, um, and I want to encourage you, where the girls were talking to the girls about going back into the Word, and I, it was simply just prompting them, what does God tell us to do with each of the struggles? And I did not have to even say a lot. Mm. And they broke it down to each other. And mm. so for you who say, you know, they'll, they'll get this in school, they'll get this in class, take that first step and help them bridge between this. And I wish I had had this growing up in middle school and high school. I grew up in a Christian family, but I don't think my parents had the teaching, and mm. they just assumed it would come. And the song that we sang about the world is filled with devils who threaten to undo us, um, most of us, we, we're pretty rock solid. But our kids, that's where the devils are going, to undo mm. our kids. Mm. And I just say, please take these lessons and share them every single day it matters so much so all of us can take um, this thank you for the teaching yeah. in this series thank you for sharing who else right back here is that a hand right back here by the door Joe you got it I don't really want to stand up, but um, I know this isn't scripture, but my husband and I um, love the Lord of the Rings, and um, we recently watched that with our kids, and there's a scene at the end of the third one where, okay, if, you're, if you don't like Lord of the Rings, just bear with me. Um, we're going to geek out for a second, um, where Gandalf talks about the end and what's going to happen, and he says um, something about... Um, there are white shores and beyond a far green country under a swift sunrise. And um, I love Tolkien, and he was a believer, and everything he wrote was very allegorical. But a few days after we finished that movie, I was reading in Jeremiah really randomly. And um, I read Jeremiah. It's, uh, it's 51, verse 50. And it says, Remember the Lord from afar, and let Jerusalem be ever in your thoughts. And it struck me that um, I think we are, as a culture, we love to live in the present and mm. to soak up today, and all of that is good, but ultimately, none of that matters if we don't know uh, that there is a far green country under a swift sunrise. And mm. so it really moved me, and I guess when I think about what word... Um, how's God's word been at work in you? That's the word that comes to mind, just that I feel like God is, I'm a stay-at-home mom, I homeschool, I live within the four walls of my house pretty much every day, and I stand in front of my kitchen sink a lot, and uh, 
that's kind of the sustaining word for me right now is going that the endeavors that we um, that we're all engaged in every day right now we do there's a purpose beyond mm-hmm. kind of the daily um, trivialities that we all know and um, so anyway I know that's probably not exactly what everybody else shared but yeah. that's what was on my that's heart great. So. thank you who else over here got one yeah Mark yeah um, as I was, um, some things that I've been, I've been thinking about over the last few weeks. This is kind of weird, by the way. I'm hearing the feedback, and it's throwing me off. But um, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah. you do. Um, a couple of things. One is I've just been thinking about how God's word is really practical. Like as I read God's word, the things that the first century church struggled with are the things that I struggle with. Though... We now have automobiles, and we go to grocery stores, and we have iPhones and other things. Those are the peripheral things that have changed the, the core essence of my experience and the core essence of what I see in the first century church or in the Old Testament. Those are my struggles as well. So it's really practical. Mm. Um, and the second thing is that God's word is personal. Mm. Um, that I, The last week or so, I've been reading through 1 Corinthians, and that's just been... Um, Paul's, and then even going into Second Corinthians, what Paul, um, his love for the church, mm. and his, and how pra- personally he just cared about them, um, and God is just very personal. Um, he says that we are, um, he's made us slightly below the angels, which is almost the same level. In some ways, you can look at it as we're just slightly below where God is, and that there's no other worldview that that lifts us up as people to be that high. Um, that he cares and he thinks about, he actually longs for us to be his temple. And there's no other worldview that that brings us up that high. Yeah. So he's very personal, and he loves us um, incredibly. Practical and personal. That's great. Thanks for sharing that, Mark. Back there's our hand. Yeah. Hi, I'm Linda Fadler, and... Um, I have the privilege of teaching at a Christian school, and I also am the mother of five children who've come through living in a Christian home and going to a Christian school, but three of them are adults now, and um, just the things that they're bombarded with about that they're in control, that they need to be doing this, and pride, and whatnot, and two of them, just last night, I talked to about you know, are you praying about what God wants you to do? Are you getting involved with where you need to be? Because it's really hard as a young adult in this world to um, to stay on the path. There's just too much. So I think really we need to be praying for our kids that are in college and our kids that are adults because they're having a hard time. I guess it goes back to that Second Timothy 3, verses 14 and 15, reminding them to not forget where they've come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. Right there. Jojo, can you make it? Right down here and then follow with you. Got somebody over there, okay. Why don't you go while we're waiting over here? Okay. My name's Elizabeth, and um, I shared this actually on Tuesday in Bible study, but how God's word has been at work in me is I have two daughters, and one of them just turned 12, and I tend to be 
uh, one to correct a lot of things. And so basically every morning, the second she would walk into the kitchen, I would be like, have you brushed your hair? Have you washed your face? You have stuff in your teeth. And I was just, the Lord showed me that I was being so critical. Um, I mean, those are important things to not go out looking like that. But anyway, um, God showed me, reminded me about the psalm that says children are a gift. And so um, I decided each morning that they come in, I'm going to say, good morning, my gift, so that I can be an encouragement to them before I start with the list of stuff. (laughs) So anyway, that's God's work in me. Thank you for that. By the way, you have something in your teeth. Okay. Hello, Hi, I'm Mandy. Um, a couple verses from over the past like week or two. Um, first, uh, Corinthians six nineteen says that I'm not my own; that you're not your own. Um, and the other one is in Acts twenty regarding Paul. It says, "Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me." So circumstances mm. obviously are circumstances are clearly, they await us, they're with us as we speak. And Paul says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And I, I think um, I experienced his presence, his um, through this word that, um, like, over the last week, I had some funky thing with my eye, and I couldn't see. There was, like, a cloud over it. I will pronounce it wrong. It's, like, anterior uveolitis or something. But anyways. um, That sounds right. So freaky, right? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) So there was, like, a cloud over my eye, and I couldn't see, and it was kind of scary. But um, I'm not my own. The Lord made my eyes, and and I have three children, and they are amazing treasures. And um, I couldn't, like, wear makeup. I had to have my, my glasses on. And it sounds so silly to share, but as a, a woman, and I know men, we um, struggle with that. But none of that moved me. The yeah. fog over my right eye, <laughs> the fact that I had to be very vulnerable and have no makeup on, that I'm his, you know, none yeah. of that moved me. The children being so constant, none of it moves me because I can finish this race with joy and the ministry yeah. before me because he is our joy. His His spirit's with us. He is our, our peace, and yeah. we can be patient, so... That's what happened this week. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. One last one right here. Sorry. Hi, I'm Amy Vest, and um, any chance I get to share what God has done through his word in the recent couple past years, I, I really want to because I feel like I want my children to hear what he's done, even if it's invisible. Um, I went through a season that was pretty dark, so... I tried to get into the word by reading it, and I just love how God is outside the box, and he doesn't tell us each to sit down for 30 minutes every single day if it doesn't work, so I decided to memorize a psalm, and it was Psalm 34. It was two winters ago, and part of it worked, but then I got out of the habit, but what I did do was in my kitchen, I started putting um, an app, Bible Gateway, on, 
And I found quickly that I fell in love with someone's voice who was reading the word. And then I started repeating Psalm 34, and I'd go hit repeat because there's no repeat function. So I'd walk back over to the computer, do some stuff around the house, and um, maybe it was my laziness, maybe it was God, but I started backing up. Well, I'll start a few psalms before that so that I can get to Psalm 34. What ended up happening was, in about 45 minutes' time, I was getting psalms into my head that were kind of in my subconscious, and I thought, okay, everything I listen to, I have to filter. Even a good sermon, I have to filter and be on guard, but the word can subconsciously hit me and wash me. So then what I didn't realize, I was always backing up to Psalm 19. Always, that's my starting place because it talks about the sun, and it was winter, and winter is dark, and I don't like it. So (laughs) Psalm 19 was the deal. Um, I would also leave my driveway and say, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing. And so that's at the end of that psalm. But this little one, because she was hearing me start at Psalm 19 at random times in the day, she's got it memorized. And she's written it in her journal multiple times when I haven't been with her. And I feel like I didn't know God was doing that. I felt lazy that I was like, back it up, back it up, just so I can get some work done. But I have realized that subconscious washing, Mm. it's like a therapy. And if I'm anxious or moody or emotional or or feeling strong, I mean, no matter what I'm feeling, it's true. And one day, this final thing, I was just in my kitchen doing the dishes. And I read it before, but in context of hearing it in a whole psalm, it stopped me in my tracks when he, he, he paused and he said, and he forgives the guilt of our sin. And I went, wait, what? Mm. He forgives the guilt of our sin? I never took it mm. in a context because I read it in a different way. So yeah. I'm not saying just listen to it or just read it, but God is outside of the box enough to know what we need uh-huh. and to get his word to us. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. I know there's some others that want to share. I've got to move us on. We have... One more that's going to share with us today. We're going to see his story via video. And as you watch it, I want you to look for the intersection of God's word, God's presence, and God's work. Let's watch this together. My wife had found this camp through a circle of friends. It was the um, summer camp that they give at a lot of the churches. She just signed them up because the kids' friends were going and her friends' kids were going, and that was it. It wasn't something that was really planned between my wife and I. She just decided to do it. They were coming back with questions that I found I could not answer. And so that's when I decided that I would just pick up the Bible and start reading. We really didn't think it was going to be a life-changing event for either one of us. I did not have a Bible in my home at the time. Um, In fact, I had to go to the library and check a Bible out. I looked at it at first, and it's it's a huge book. I didn't know what Bible to start out with. I was a little confused because there were so many different versions. So I just started with the King James Version. And I didn't really think I was going to get anywhere except for maybe a a small history lesson, maybe some good stories out of it. I looked at it just like any other homework project, I guess, that you would help the kids with. 
By the time I, I got into the Bible and was suddenly driven, the uh, idea of me learning about this just for them kind of went away. And I realized that this was drawing me in. And so even though they stopped asking those questions, I just kept going. It was God reaching out to me through the Bible. Each chapter that I read or each book that I read seemed to build on the last one. As I got into the prophets, I realized that this really was just one story going through. And it was then that I started feeling my whole idea behind you know, what I was reading changing me. I was suddenly realizing, okay, this is not a history book. This is, this is a whole lot more. I did not expect it to be one story. I did not expect it to speak to me in that way. I did not expect it to be coordinated. I did not expect it to be, you know, as many authors who didn't meet writing about things. I didn't expect it to be prophets talking about Jesus in the future, 750 years before he was born. It was the Holy Spirit working in me, but it was changing me in ways that I could gradually accept. I didn't know what I had until I got to Matthew and the New Testament, and it just kind of hit me like a bolt of lightning. This is God speaking to me. I can tell. I mean, that's the message. That was the message that was being given through the entire Old Testament. The change happened in such a very deep and basic way that I was now a different person. It wasn't until I got to the point I'm at now that I realized that I'm, I'm much more at peace. I always felt like there was something more to life that I was missing out on, and I really didn't know how to put my finger on it. I really didn't know. I don't feel that hole anymore and I don't feel the need to to do something to fill it because it's filled